0: Hey, thanks for checking out the So What Factor. My name is Randy Bennett. I'm a United Methodist pastor, and these sermons answer the question, I hope, so what? So what? Is God real? So what am I supposed to do with my life? So what does the Bible actually say? So in every sermon, it's my hope that you'll figure out what the so what is. But if you don't know or it wasn't clear, feel free to find me on Facebook at Randy Bennett Jr., and shoot me a message. You can also email me at Bennett at yahoo.com. Be happy to hear your questions and, and uh and connect with you. So thanks for listening. Take care and God bless. It was the day of Pentecost. The Holy Spirit had just descended upon Peter and the eleven. Lighting them up with holy fire. Peter, a middle-aged fisherman turned disciple turned leader of the apostles, stood up and began to preach. What he preached we know as the old, old story of Jesus and his love. But to the crowd gathered in Jerusalem, it was a brand new story. The story of the God that loved them so much that he sent his one and only son to save the world. Peter preached Jesus. The story of a man who was also God, who was executed on Calvary's cross only to rise three days later from the grave. Peter preached and he preached He quoted the prophet Joel, connecting the truth of Jesus to the truth of Scripture. He reminded them of God's covenant with David and how Jesus fulfilled that covenant. Peter preached and oh, was Peter on fire. Sometimes Peter preached so passionately and so fervently that it seemed like he never even took a breath. And as a sermon came to a conclusion, the people in the crowd were cut to the heart. And they cried out, brothers, what shall we do? What shall we do? Sound familiar? Peter replied, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. On that day, a a small band of Jesus followers became the first megachurch of 3,000 plus people. And Simon Peter the fisherman turned Jesus follower had just fished for men and caught (laughs) 3,000. Did Jesus call that or what? I wonder if later in the day when, when Peter had returned home, he remembered that day just a few years earlier when Jesus said, follow me and I will make you a fisher of men. was that was the day that Peter decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back, no turning back. Peter's life forever changed that day. And so did everyone else who came into contact with Peter from that time forward. The story of Peter's call is quite a story. And it was today's scripture lesson. Jesus had just finished preaching from one of the fishing boats belonging to Simon Peter and Andrew and, and James and John, the others who would decide to follow Jesus that day. And when Jesus had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, now we've worked hard all night and haven't caught a single thing, but because you say so, well, I will let down the nets. Now, I think you should know that Simon wasn't necessarily arguing with Jesus at this point, but Simon was a salty and seasoned fisherman. And if you've ever seen any of them shows about fishermen, you know what I mean by salty, right? Right? Yeah. I mean, I can only imagine, probably not very biblical, but I'd say Peter had a mouth on him. No, couldn't be. Now, Simon, he wasn't arguing, okay? He did comply. He complied with Jesus' directive. It was a directive, though, that under any other circumstance would have seemed foolish to a salty fisherman. But because it was Jesus, Simon obeyed. Why? Because he was aware of who Jesus was. See, Jesus had already performed a miracle at Simon's home, he healed his mother in law from a high fever. So Simon obeyed and here's what happened next. They caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signaled their partners in the other boat to come over and help them and they came and they filled the boat so full that they began to sink. Now the two words here in the Greek, oh no, he said Greek, let's go to sleep. No, wake up. The two words here in the Greek for large number because you have large, then you have fish, then you have number. In the Greek, right? So large number here. The first word is plethos. That's where we get the word plethora from. And it means a multitude, and, and, and polos, poly, uh, means a large number or a great deal. So I have put them together to form a brand new word that I really like called polyplethora, which means a ginormous number of fish. You're welcome. Now I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, Randy, something smells fishy here.
1: No. Yes,
0: yeah, I did that. Yeah. And you might be thinking that because you're thinking that these were a couple of John boats. Maybe they were eight or nine feet in length. But that's likely not the case. There was recently a discovery in the Sea of Galilee of a boat that was 26 and a half feet long and 7 and a half feet wide, dating from Jesus' day. This would have made it possible not only for a polyplethora of fish to be caught, but also possible for Peter to fall on his knees in the boat without the boat tipping over. And that's exactly what happened in response to Jesus' theophany. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and he said, Go away from me, Lord. I am a sinful man. For he and his companions were astonished. They were amazed. They were In a jaw-dropping awkwardly moment. Awkwardness with the king of kings and lord of lords. You see, Peter's divinity alarm was sounding. I think every person has a divinity alarm. Whether they acknowledge it or not. From that moment on. I think sometimes we we encounter something that can't be explained, right? Something that can only be God. And we grapple. We grapple for understanding until we resign ourselves to the simple truth that there is someone out there who is all-powerful. Our divinity alarm is going on. Sometimes it feels like goosebumps on the skin because our divinity alarm is going off. Or sometimes it feels like being overwhelmed so much so in the senses that you find yourself crying tears of joy. Or simply the calm assurance to stand when no one else will stand. Or finding yourself with nothing only to realize that you have everything. Peter was experiencing all of this. And so much more because all of his senses were simultaneously flooded by the infleshed power of the living God. Peter was so overwhelmed by the divinity of Jesus Christ that all he could do was bow on his knees and cry holy. Holy. Y'all when faced with the presence of a holy God. All of us would, have, or will respond in the same way. Why? Because God is the creator and we are the creatures. And yet God cares so much about us that he desires a personal relationship with each of us. Not only that, but God also personally calls each of us to follow him. To follow Jesus. And that makes the holiness and the love of God utterly humbling. It weakens the knees of the body and the knees of the soul. And this is a great thing because it puts us into a position to depend upon Jesus and to ask the question what shall we do? What shall I do? Then Jesus said to Simon, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. From now on, you will catch people. Don't be afraid. This is God's assurance of pardon whenever somebody's in his presence. See, Jesus knew the state of Peter's heart. He knew the salty fisherman was asking this question from within. Peter just witnessed the power of the living God through Jesus. He was scared, but he's also asking himself, what shall I do? And though the narrative doesn't unpack the perspectives of Andrew and James and John, they too were asking the question internally that Jesus now answered externally. What shall we do, Jesus? Jesus said, don't be afraid. Follow me. I will take you on the greatest adventure of love and sacrifice, of stepping out in faith when you are terrified to do so, if you will leave everything and follow me. So what did they do? They followed Jesus. They pulled their boats up on shore, left everything, and followed him. This word follow in the Greek means to abide in fellowship. It means to cleave to one another. In other words, where you go, I go. From that moment on, the four new disciples were on an adventure with Jesus that required them to completely depend upon Jesus, to cling to Jesus, to cleave to Jesus, to abide in and with Jesus. And Jesus would add eight more disciples to the adventure, and then more, and then more, and Jesus is still adding more people to the adventure today. All because these disciples left everything. Family, friends, colleagues, income, housing, their livelihoods to follow Jesus. Every time someone encounters Jesus and by grace through faith chooses to follow him, not only is a soul saved, but the adventure continues. And I think what makes it an adventure is that to some degree, everyone called to follow Jesus must leave something behind. Sometimes everything. Nearly 18 years ago, Amy and I heard Jesus call us to follow him to Pennsylvania. We packed up a U-Haul in Johnson City, Tennessee with the few possessions we owned. We parked one of our cars on the U-Haul car trailer attached to the moving van. We got our walkie-talkies ready because we didn't have cell phones. And Amy followed me in the other car while I drove the U-Haul through the night to our new apartment in York, Pennsylvania. You see, I had heard and we had heard God's call to music ministry and accepted my first full-time ministry job at Zion United Methodist Church in York, Pennsylvania. Y'all, we were broke. Broke. Poor broke. Rich in love, but poor in finances. We were so broke that the senior pastor, Reverend Dr. Bradley Brown, God rest his soul, actually co-signed the lease with us for our apartment. And the church fronted some of my salary so that we could pay our first month's rent. We left everything and followed Jesus and God blessed us. Two years later, after Madison was born, Bradley did something he rarely did. He extended an invitation at the end of a worship service for someone feeling a call to be a pastor to come forward. Like Peter, the knees of my body and the knees of my soul both buckled. My divinity alarm was sounding. Jesus was calling. What shall I do? Shall I remain in my pew and say, nope, I done told you two other times, no. Tears streaming from my eyes, I responded to the call, not knowing if Bradley, who was also my boss, would be supportive. I responded just knowing that Jesus was calling me to follow him as a pastor. And Jesus was in Bradley. Bradley. And as I knelt at the chancel rail with tears streaming from my eyes, Bradley said, do not be afraid. In the fall of last year, Bradley Brown died in his sleep. He was in great health and had only retired from ministry just a couple of years ago. Bradley is one of my faith fathers. And he and the people of Zion Church had this stole made for me for the occasion of my ordination. And I wear it today in honor and in memory of Reverend Dr. Bradley Brown. And my call to follow Jesus. The following year, 2005, I began my first pastoral appointment. Haley was born and the adventure continued. First, we were sent to Trinity Church in New Freedom, and then in 2007, we were sent to Paxtonville Church here in Snyder County. Maddie was three, and Haley was two, not quite two, when we came to Paxtonville Church in 2007. Y'all, we were definitely foreigners in Snyder County. And even though we've been here for 14 years, I think we might still be foreigners in Snyder County. Our adventure continued in 2012 when we were sent across the county to Christ's community. Apparently, even though we were foreigners, we had managed to learn and assimilate ourselves into your culture enough to be accepted and even effective in ministry. Do you know what I thought on my first Sunday here? Thank God they have deviled eggs. I may not have said it out loud, but I should have thought it. See, having deviled eggs at CCUMC was the first time in Pennsylvania that I ever felt at home. And from that first Sunday to this Sunday, we have shared with you a marvelous Jesus adventure. All because I asked Jesus so long ago and continue to ask Jesus when the Holy Spirit prompts me, What shall I do? What shall we do? About 18 months ago, a a cloud came over my vision for Christ's community. Where I had once been able to see many steps into the future, now I could only see the end of a construction and renovation project. I asked the Lord, what shall I do? He said, finish the work I sent you here to do, and then prepare yourself to move. That's when I started arguing with God a little bit. I know you don't ever do that, but I do. But Lord, what about the kids? What about Amy's job? What about, what about, what about? He said, breathe, you have work to do. Ask me again later. So I did. In August of 2020, I asked the Lord again, and this time I asked my whole family to join me in prayer. Together we prayed, Lord, what shall we do? And together we heard, move. I then took six weeks to spend time with God, asking him the same question every single day, only to receive the same answer over and over. I returned from my leave absolutely certain that my pastoral ministry was coming to a close at Christ Community, and more importantly, that if I continued to stay after I heard the Spirit say to move, I would begin to lose my effectiveness for ministry, and more importantly, my staying might undo some of the great work that we have accomplished together on our adventure. So I formally requested for the bishop and the cabinet to prayerfully consider my discernment and our discernment as a family. I also shared with the SPRC why I had discerned that my time was coming to a close. And then by faith, I surrendered all of that to the appointment process, knowing that either this year or next year, I would be appointed to serve a new congregation. Brothers and sisters, I announce to you today that beginning July 1st, 2021, I will no longer be your senior pastor. I have been appointed to be the new lead pastor at Calvary United Methodist Church in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania. This is especially challenging to announce to an empty sanctuary where I cannot see your faces and remind you of how much I love you. I know that God is in this move because Jesus is asking us to leave everything. Jesus is asking us to leave our home for the last nine years and the county in which we've lived for the last 14 years. 14 years. It may not seem like a lot to you, but Amy and I have lived two thirds of our marriage in Snyder County. We've nearly finished raising our children here. That's a long time and a polyplethora of memories. I know Jesus is in this move because he is likely asking Amy to leave a career. I know Jesus is in this move because he's asking Maddie and Haley to leave the Sealens Grove area high school. He's asking Maddie to begin her senior year of high school where she doesn't know anyone. He is asking us to leave the support of dear friends and a church family that loves us. Jesus is asking us to leave everything and follow him. And we are. And It hurts but it hurts for the right reason. Love. And the same love of Jesus that has bound us all together for these last nine years now calls the nature of our relationship to change for the sake of his kingdom. But thanks be to the God whose love that never fails For we are connected in that love by the power of the Holy Spirit. Friends, we have about five months of ministry left together. There is a construction project to finish. Ministries and worship services to relaunch. The grieving of the nature of our relationship changing. And the preparation for a new pastor, one that will help you discover God's next yes for Christ's community. What shall we do? What shall we do? We shall walk by faith and not by sight. We shall continue following Jesus on the greatest adventure he has ever set in motion for all of us and for his kingdom, and giving thanks to God for connecting us with each other for so long. I love you so very, very much. follow Jesus. Amen.